Hello, welcome to yet another wonderful episode of The Underpaid and The Underqualified. I'm not sure if I was supposed to intro because the second before I started talking, I thought I heard Jaw take a big gasp. <laughs> Actually, to be honest, I was kind of confused who was supposed to intro. So then, and then you started talking. I was like, okay, all right, that makes sense. Yeah, I'm good at interrupting Jaw. It's my talent on this episode. Um, yeah, no, I don't know. I uh, think I usually intro the ones that I come up with and usually intro the ones you come up with, right? We go tit for tat. Yeah, something like that, yeah. I'm sure the listeners are extremely interested in our process. Also, funny enough, another note about our process. <laughs> you know how last week I mentioned that uh, it was episode uh, 49 and it would have been cool to start right out the gate 2021 with episode 50? Yes. It's, no, if you look on, maybe. If you look, <laughs> well, we talked about it. You can go listen back to it. If you listen, if you go look on iTunes, it's funny because like the actual numbers of where they're listed, it says we're at episode 50, but we put episode 49. So I'm not sure how that happened. What? Yeah weird i'll send you a picture later it's funny i could have told you this offline but i figured i'd let it be known for the world <laughs> okay so what i've noticed is that for some reason i probably should talk this about offline is that like um somebody told me hey your spotify isn't updated really yeah, yeah. it is because like i posted it through our normal means it should update apparently it's not appearing on um on spotify but for some reason it's appearing on itunes and so I'm like, all right, I do not have the capacity at the moment to deal with this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jaw's busy. You started school, right? Yeah, I started school. That's great. <laughs> Sounds way too convincing when you say it like that. When'd I love start? every damn moment. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, when did you start again? Sorry, this Wednesday. And it's like, it, normally from like the past few classes I have taken, it's very easy. It's like, oh, just do the reading. You're fine, right? Um no major homework assignments at all and then all of a sudden um like we were given a homework assignment and i'm like wait i thought you're normally like which more i thought it's going to ease us in it's like not the most difficult homework assignment but it's like oh wow there's like a lot of readings there's a just a couple homework assignments uh great so yeah Sweet. I was looking forward to it. If you hear Ja gradually get more and more tired and not let, sounding like he's having fun on the podcast, you'll know why. <laughs> exactly. Actually, yeah, I'm going through all of our lists and it's posted everywhere except Spotify. Huh. That is weird. Maybe, I don't know. Spotify, don't they like, did they had an issue with uh, Joe Rogan, you know, when all of his stuff went to Spotify? I don't know if you heard about this, but like all of his entire backlog of podcasts went to Spotify and they only didn't, so they selected like, specific episodes that weren't posted but they were all like with controversial people like uh ben shapiro or milo yiannopoulos like those kind of episodes i think the elon musk too one wasn't put on so we talked about freaking movies um yeah i don't know to be honest really uh i i will eventually figure this out until then (laughs) we're exposing the realness of what it's like to have a podcast to the world we're just showing everybody all the difficulties you'll have to go with we're make we're a real podcast right exactly yeah i know in the earlier episodes so anybody who's actually listening to our like backlog of like videos and stuff they're actually out of order just because when we switched platforms and such numbering got kind of weird yeah so that's why there might be some issues with that yeah fuck it i think if i don't know if any of the two people listening or 200 i'm not sure somewhere between that number um I don't know. It's kind of fun if you're into a podcast to find like 
missing episodes you know what i mean or ones you didn't expect you know sometimes i feel like when a podcast has been going forever there's always like after like a year they're like the lost episode that we forgot to air from two years ago you know Mm-hmm. So it can be like that. If they, if they discover episodes that were like accidentally not posted, it'll be like that. Maybe. Yeah, no. So we this one actually will be episode fifty. All right, cool. Episode fifty, going strong. Uh, how's your week going? Otherwise, Joe. I want to sleep. <laughs> okay, not homework related that caused me not to sleep or that caused me to sleep late last night. But it's like I want to sleep because <laughs> I decided to watch. Like, hey, I haven't relaxed enough today because I was I spent like a good chunk of the day trying to focus on reading my like homework dark documents and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Scientific articles are freaking invigorating. I hate them so damn much. Um, so I was like, all right, you know what? I'm gonna watch a couple episodes of Star Wars Clone Wars because then you catch up on that. And That's then I saw that like on? one oh no, no no, I'm like I said, I'm catching up on it. Ah, um, okay. it's already finished. Gotcha. So I was like, all right, I'm going to watch it. And then one thing led to another. And I mean, I did only watch like one or two episodes, but I didn't sleep till like 1.30. So mm, all that porn got in the way. All that other gaming. Actually, no, what was I doing? Oh, I was gaming last night too. And then washing dishes. Oh my gosh, dishes suck. But yeah. Do you have a dishwasher? We do. But I mean, like there's certain things where like you need a hand scrub it because like I burned something on it. Ah. Um, So it's like I was soaking. So all that <laughs> mundane adulting stuff. What are you doing, man? Burning dishes? Can't be doing that, man. I mean, it was like a metal plate, but okay. <laughs> yeah, no, I do it sometimes too. But uh, no, I don't have a dishwasher. And yeah, dishes are like the only like debate that ever comes up between me and Christine. <laughs> Just like how to like find a system to deal with it. So if we had a dishwasher, it would make our lives a lot easier. But it's all right. You learn to deal with it. Um, You know, one thing to be grateful for that you're not dealing with, Ja? I don't know what. Just guess. Just anything you could possibly guess. Long hair? Uh, no, funny enough, I actually cut it. <laughs> oh, actually, I, I, I don't mind the long hair. My hair is actually the longest it's ever been, and I'm getting it cut, like, pretty soon. I think that should be uh, the title of our – that should be the picture. You should change the profile pic on our uh, Instagram, <laughs> just your hair. Oh, yeah, no, I was, last time I was pulling, like, oh, there's a couple, of, like, white strands of hair that I can get to a lot easier because my hair is longer. There's more to pull, right? And when I pulled it, I'm like, damn, this is long. <laughs> You say white, so you got some grays in there? I got a lot of gray hairs. Damn. School's really killing you that hard? <laughs> no, it's always been like that. Life has just oh. been stressful. Damn. All right. Um, yeah, yeah so well, okay. What do the I not thing, have to deal with? The thing you don't have to deal with, at least I assume you don't have to deal with, for all I know, maybe you do, ants. No, oh, I don't have to deal with that. Yeah, at the moment, we're having an ant problem, and it's a real bitch. I've never had such murderous thoughts in my head. I really, it's it's kind of like that, you know, that's, uh, you ever read that psychology experiment where, the prison guard where they had people assume the roles of like inmates and then Stanford people... prison experiment. Yeah, exactly. So it's like that. I feel like I'm really adapting to this like murderous hitman who wants to murder all ants, like in a, <laughs> in a really evil way because goddamn, I hate fucking hate those things. They've just invaded the certain area of my kitchen. And it's so weird. Like at first I've had like one ant problem before where there was like, we left a jar of honey out and then there was like a strain, uh, like a line of ants. And then we just killed them real quick. Done, done and done. You know, like one, like bit of one bit of sugar leaked and then ants were there, killed them done. No more problems. And we've been here almost about a year and a half. And just randomly, I have no fucking idea why there, we didn't even like leave out food. There's no moisture. Like I've looked up all the things that cause ants. There's just, a fucking invasion of ants in the kitchen and randomly in the bathroom. And the first day I bought some ant traps and then that didn't work at all. And then 
right before yesterday, uh, me and Christine, we were going to Monterey. But before we went, there was just the largest fucking explosion of ants all over the goddamn kitchen. It was a nightmare. So we're like, all right, we got to do something about this quick. So <laughs> we went to, I went to Target, got these really effective traps that um, Target, right? Like the reviews say are really good. And literally 24 of them. There are 24 traps in the kitchen, in the bathroom. And also looked up things that repel ants. So that includes apparently cinnamon, cayenne pepper. And we poured a line of cinnamon and cayenne pepper like in the kitchen to like make sure they don't leave the kitchen. And then also like in front of the bedroom and the bathroom. It's it looks like a fucking like a ritual. So that's what I'm dealing with, y'all. So I remember as a kid, I'd follow along the line of ants and then just use a lighter. Um and they died instantly. It was great. Anyways, so no, like growing up, there's definitely a ton of ants that I had to deal with, like problems and that. So I've basically just they've killed ants many different ways to Sunday. But um, what you call it? I mean, it's. I think I would recommend if you can find where they're coming from. And so chances are they're in the bathroom is because they're looking for water and moisture, probably just because the whole weather change or just looking for a new place to just forage for food and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, is really why you're kind of seeing them in obscure locations because I've had problems in the bathroom as well, and they usually are just looking for um, control water, moisture, something or something in your feces. <laughs> no, like not even kidding. Like, or something well, in like, do you have like a trash can in the bathroom or something like that? Do they ever wind up in there? Yeah, but I don't shit in it. <laughs> no, I mean like um, trash can. Like, you guys throw something in there that like something related from your bodily fluids just tastes sweet oh yeah no so yeah we occasionally do that that's never been a problem up till now if i had to guess honestly we had i tried this new body wash that's a little more sweet smelling and i put it in the trash instead of the recycling so that's kind of my initial guess of what like started them and like made them first move Mm, but yeah i don't know i it it's i totally agree about the thing of like tracking where they're coming from so we did i first did that so like i put the ant traps where they were and then uh then they like kind of fizzled out a little bit but then they came back even stronger so then i like specifically saw there was like small holes and like cupboards or like between cabinets and like between the bathroom like tub and like the ground there's like small holes so i look for small holes like that and i will like tape each one or like put something in there to like flush it out but then at least in the kitchen they would be done in that area but then they just move to another area so it's like seems like a bigger problem you know so Dang, good luck, man. I hope we get it resolved. Well, actually, the traps we put in are, like, super effective so far. There's way less today, so I'm just hoping they all fucking die a miserable death. Gotcha, Soon. gotcha. <laughs> I want to take that Queen Anne and take an AK-47 and just shoot her. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, good luck with that. Good luck getting your deposit back. <laughs> I mean, I, I, wherever she is, I'm sure. Well, I don't know. I don't know how the walls work, but, uh, yeah. I'll, well, I'll there is also the fear that the Queen did move in. Yeah, well, if she did, the way these traps work is apparently it's like sweet and the ants are attracted to it and they think it's good. So they go inside and they definitely have been flocking inside like each one. They're like inside pretty strongly. And the idea is they don't think it's poison, but it actually is poison and it doesn't react till later. It's like kind of delayed. So they take the part in the trap and then they take it back to the queen. And then eventually the queen dies with so much poison. And then without the queen, they're all like, well, fuck, what do we do? And then they all just like fuck off. So hopefully that happens. Absolutely. Good luck, dude. <laughs> Anyways, 10-minute tirade on ants. Uh, otherwise, anything else with you, Joe? Just school? That's about it. Yeah. Do you watch uh, WandaVision? 
Okay, here's my rant about all this. I have not watched it, and at this point, it's not worth my time because I'm in this boat where there's actually a few of us that I've actually talked to where um, MCU. So when Disney Plus came out, right, they had this slew of TV shows that are coming out, but they were not coming out for like years after. And that's the thing for me is that the only show that really came out that really made a splash and got people's attention was Mandalorian. Really not much content on Disney Plus, original content on there that's really wowed a lot of people, right? So I know Jeff Goldblum had his whole little documentary thing. Oh, I didn't even hear about that. Jeff Goldblum had a documentary? Yeah, it came out when Disney Plus launched. All right. And so I I was like, okay, this is kind of cool. But then when I watched it, I was like, this is kind of whatever. I wasn't even entertained. And so when I was like, okay, when's the like superhero MCU stuff coming out, right? And then they announced, oh, we have 10 shows coming out. Oh, no. They re-released it, like those most recent um, Disney convention, whatever. And they were like, oh, yeah, we have 10 different MCU-related type stuff. Uh, and I'm like, okay, I'm overwhelmed because now you have 10 different Star Wars stuff coming out. Half of them, we don't even know who they are. And that same half, we don't care. Like, I talked to some hardcore Star Wars fans, and they're like, I love Star Wars. This is amazing. I don't know why they have half these shows. And there's the other half of the audience who are like, oh my gosh, I am going crazy. You have no idea how dare you speak evil of it. Yeah, I feel like that's fairly representative. I feel like the one like one show that I definitely wonder, like, why of all the stories you could do in Star Wars, would you do it? Would would you do this one? Would be that uh, show they're doing about the guy from the Mandalorian. Sorry, not Mandalorian. From Rogue One, the like main lead dude outside of Felicity Jones. Oh my gosh, no. I had to look him up and I'm like, I still don't know who you are. <laughs> Like, like I, I watched a scene and I'm like, I still don't remember you. Yeah, the actor played the part well and he seems like a fine character, but like it's just strange to me of all the stories in the Star Wars mythology and lore. Like, why would you pick that guy? I don't know, first series. Like, I I'd rather see just like I've always said this, I'd rather see like an origin of the Jedi. Like, show how the first Jedi came about. You know what I mean? I uh, I mean, like, there was books like that, but they need to rewrite them now. I mean, I'm not sure if they're rewritten at this point because when Disney bought out George Lucas and all that. Anything before episode one or a lot of that content was deemed non-canon. So they have to start from scratch. And a lot of Star Wars fans were pissed off about that because you just got rid of a lot of lore. Yeah. Anyways. Well, I I wish they would still figure out a way to do it. I think that could be really dope. And I've always wanted the first lightsaber to be gold. I think that'd be dope. (laughs) So that's the thing is that when, when, when I remember watching the commercial for it, it's like, man, it's great that our movie draw a lot of attention but that's the thing is that everyone kind of like it ended on a you, there's no continuation and it's great to see people wanting to see this story i'm like nobody wants to fucking see this story dude <laughs> and, and and it's like okay some people i know i said oh we i want a star wars series just about like fighters fighter planes and stuff mm-hmm. okay cool and I, and I read the titles i'm like i think there's two of them now one or two of them i could be mistaken correct me if i'm mistaken audience but it's like, okay, there's a lot of content that not that many people are going to care about. Because um, yeah. half the people love it. Half the people are like, I don't even know why half this even exists. Yeah. Um, I'm stoked for the uh, the Obi-Wan show. That's about it. No, I mean, I'm stoked for the Obi-Wan show. I'm stoked for the uh, Ahsoka show. Because Clone Wars, I'm watching it right now. Ahsoka's a pretty cool character. Yeah. And... Yeah, some of the stuff is like, cool, we're finally getting it. 
but there's the other half is like i don't remember seeing this and like i remember like somebody was telling me oh you didn't want to see the bad bunch oh my gosh the bad bunch it relates to the clone wars they had like a specific episode just following the lives of a few of the clone troopers mm-hmm. and so they're getting a series and so oh. it's a fan favorite and it's like the okay cool batch. the bad batch. oh bad batch my my mistake <laughs> bad batch and so it's like okay cool i get it that's fine but here's the other examples of like who are these people um so yeah. going on the mcu so you had that first day announcement then you had the mcu announcement 10 other shows or whatever and they're all connected somehow so some people may make the argument of oh my gosh you can um you could just jump to this and that if you want to watch this and that okay well you can't because they're all connected like one division is connected to the next doctor strange movie so yeah, i'd like and, to th- oh sorry you can go yeah so it's like okay cool you have this extensive universe that's connected all right i guess that's cool I'll, I'll admit that but then because you've but that's the thing is that they've kind of delayed a lot of it and it's coming out so i've already had disney plus for about effectively one or two years now and it's like okay i'm finally getting this content that i was promised I, the hype is dead for me. And then when I was watching the trailers, it's like, I really don't get the point. Like, what message, what storyline are you trying to... Of WandaVision, specifically? Yeah, so, like, people are like, oh, it's a horror. Oh, it's not a horror. Oh, it's very weird. Oh, it's very, like... It's all... It's very retro. Yeah. And it's like, I, I have no consensus of what this movie is even about. So, somebody asked me, hey, are you watching it? No, I'm not. Until, like the more episodes come out and it blows up like Mandalorian, I'm not going to waste my time on it. Yeah. No, I see a few thoughts there. I'd say, so with the movies and the TV show connection, yeah, Marvel is going to do a lot of like, like you have to watch this to fully understand that. But I'd like to think they even, they kind of try to design the movies in a way where they kind of definitely try to appeal to people who have noticed all the details in all the movies and TV series, but it's still enjoyable no matter what, even if you haven't seen like every single reference. So I like to think that that's what they're doing. You know, that's at least my trust, you know, that's what they've done up till now. And for all I know, maybe I could be totally wrong and you really have to see one division to understand Dr. Strange. But um, yeah, that said, I think with Disney plus, I don't really begrudge them for not having all the shows right out the gate, just because with star Wars and uh, um, fucking Marvel stuff, then you can't just, like it would take time to build it just within the realms of both casting people and planning all this thing. I think they first wanted to get the streaming service. I agree. It's not like super enticing because it doesn't have all these shows out the gate, but for me, I just understand like it takes time and it's not going to be ready out the gate for me. It's like, I'm kind of like almost willing to give them like a five-year test run and then see like, all right, five years, is this worth it? Cause they're promising a lot of shows. It's like, they're doing a lot of investments. It's almost like, it's almost like they're building a startup, you know, in a weird way of like, and the startup metaphorically in this case is like, will fans actually like it? That's like the business. And right now I think fans are into it for just checking out Mandalorian and sometimes getting the nostalgia on like Disney movies and whatnot. Um, and, you know, movies that have come out like soul, things like that. But I think it's really, we're going to see if it really pays off like four, five years in for sure, because by all accounts that should be like when they really have their full onslaught of shows that they're planning you know with everything now they're talking you know like moon knight she hulk uh the falcon and the winter soldier all those shows and then all the other star wars shows so 
I don't know. We'll talk. <laughs> we could revisit this exactly five years from now on how we're feeling about Disney Plus. Yeah. So for me, it's, it is a little bit like the hype is dead, which I mean, I get what you're saying. It's like they have to figure out of rolling this out. Totally makes sense because like they're putting a lot of more love and care into some of these shows from what I've heard compared to like maybe CW shows, uh, other superhero stuff. <laughs> oh, yeah, those are is, trash. <laughs> at first, it was cool. And then after a while, I'm like, this is formulaic. I don't care. And this is actually pretty bad. <laughs> agree to disagree. I agree with your interpretation of them at the end. <laughs> no, in the beginning, I, I enjoyed it. And then after a while, like my friend and I, who we kept up with all of them at the beginning, we're like, are you watching this anymore? <laughs> Not really. And my friend is like, I watch it because she's hot. I watch it because I'm hoping like this crossover event will be super cool. And I watched it and I was disappointed. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's the one credit I'll give to them is that they can uh, hire attractive looking people. <laughs> that's the, that's what CW is the best at. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So that's pretty much my take with the whole WandaVision thing is that like yes, you have ten different shows coming out, but for me, when I was watching the trailers, like I know what comic they're trying to interpret from, so it's like okay, I kind of I have a guess where this is coming from, right? But seeing the trailers and how like people have given me different responses and even some people who did watch it uh one person told me it, i don't watch it right now the first two episodes weren't like they're lackluster that's kind of how i feel like i've watched three episodes and i'd rather just binge it because like it's a little it's just they're really teasing how long they can go with the silly stuff like it's almost like if you like theater i feel like you love <laughs> these two episodes because it's like I feel like they're really fun for the actors to do because they get to do like, you know, different stuff. Like who would ever thought in Marvel you'd see like an I Love Lucy or Bewitched or like Brady Bunch themed episode because that's basically how it's going. The first one was like 50s, second one was 60s themed, uh, third one was 70s themed, then I'm guessing next one's going to be 80s and then the next one 90s if they keep going at that format. But I kind of like, spoiler alert, you don't really know why this is the way it is. You're just, it is like a horror movie in the sense that like, there's these like kind of creepings of things happening that are mysterious. And you're like, huh, I don't know why that's the way it is, but it's really ominous and dark. And it's kind of like hinting at something big happening, but you don't quite know what the twist is yet. So that's why I'd kind of rather binge it just an all in one go. So I can get, get to the twist is I'm an impatient motherfucker. <laughs> that's fine. I mean, yeah. yeah, no, that's fair. And I mean, your sentiments are yes, a little bit different from what my friend shared, but at the message is clear is that it's definitely not worth watching at the moment. Yeah. I've had some friends that are like, no man, it's cool. It's like, it's different. It's cool. It's like, like good for you. But I just rather like binge it all in one go. It's funny. Cause like uh, my favorite YouTuber podcaster guy, he, um, he actually did make an episode, but I haven't had a chance to listen to it yet. So if I do have the time later today, hopefully knock on wood, I can try to see it and probably maybe it'll change my mind. Yeah, maybe. Well, I think personally, yeah, I don't know. If he's not recommending and you're not into it, I would just wait until the end if people say it's worth watching. Yeah, and th there's already so, like, I'm excited for Moon Knight. Um, yeah, Oscar uh, Isaac and Ethan Hawke. Do you hear about that? I'm not familiar who Ethan Hawke is, but Oscar Isaac, yes, I am. Yeah. Ethan Hawke, I bet if you look him up, if you Google him right now, you'd probably recognize him. He does a bunch of Ethan stuff. Ethan Hawke. He kind of looks like that singer of... Uh, uh geez what was that band there was like that 90s kind of pop boy band mark mcgrath it's funny because like Sugar as Ray. i look it's funny because like as i look at him 
it reminded of this one scene where Lex Luthor took over Wally West, the Flash's body. And he's like, now I can finally know who the real identity of the Flash is. Takes off his mask. I have no idea who this is. As I'm looking at Ethan Hawke, I have no idea who this is. Damn, I'm surprised you've never seen anything he's been in. He's been in a few horror movies, too. I think they're pretty good. Sinister. Have you heard of that horror movie? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Have you Sinister? seen it? I feel like yeah, he was the it. he was the dude. He was like the main character in Sinister. Oh no, I haven't seen Sinister. Just kidding, I haven't. Uh, I've seen The oh. Purge. Ah, yeah, he was in that. Yeah, there you go. Very family friendly, wholesome movie. Oh, he was in The Magnificent Seven. That's why he looks familiar. <laughs> okay, that's a movie I didn't expect to think of Ethan Hawke, but I guess that was that an works. okay movie. <laughs> I definitely did not see that one. Uh, all right, so we can do the topic. We probably should. We probably talked about like a lot of other stuff the last 30 minutes. I, I like it though. You know what I mean? You get a good taste of variety. You never know what we're going to talk about, right? I'm sure the yeah. listeners are just on the edge of their seats, not knowing what Actually, kind of this bugs. Is like, that last like 30 minutes was pretty much purely unscripted. Yeah, no, I think it's good. Personally, probably no one else feels that way, but hey, um, anyways. <laughs> All right, take us away. All right. So the topic we picked um, last week, we were talking about I don't even remember what our topic was exactly, but <laughs> Cobra Kai, I think so. Yeah, Cobra Kai came up, the TV show on Netflix, and uh, thinking about it, it reminded me of the Karate Kid, and like, ah, you know, I love Karate Kid. I mean, love I love Cobra Kai, but I also love the Karate Kid in a different way, and it reminded me of just kind of a, I don't know, a turning point as a kid watching that movie, uh, where I actually did join a martial arts school because of, you know, seeing that film, and I think just something about the zeitgeist of it it just hits on like a timeless moment um you know that a lot of people go through in school and with that uh the topic that i kind of thought of after that is like what are the essential stuff you have to see before you can like you know graduate from being a boy to a, man. a pubescent child <laughs> yeah a boy to a prepubescent child it's a big step um and so me and Ja both thought of like three kind of things that we think are essential viewing to like feel like you've graduated, like, I don't know, your childhood. Um, I think we interpret it a little differently. I think mine are a little more adult and you seem a little more uh, less adult, but it's okay. We interpret it's it, It's open to interpretation, I guess. Um, and I didn't really, I wasn't super descriptive on how to interpret this topic. <laughs> Yeah, I interpret it as more like what should you watch it as like under the age of like 16 or something. Uh, okay, well, I was thinking of like kind of what are good movies that teach you about how to essential things you'll need to know as an adult, you know, kind of in good ways. But either way, maybe it'll, it'll be a good balance. So uh, I don't know. You want me to get started? You yeah, go, go for it. Take it away. All right. So I mentioned it. So I'll start off with this one. Karate Kid. So have you you haven't seen the Karate Kid yet? I remember last time we talked, you hadn't seen it, right? I saw Kung Fu Kid with uh, Jackie Chan and the the child that is stupid. But yes, I love how our like movie the movies we've seen some not all the time, but sometimes they're just like on the off base. Like you like we're talking about Ethan Hawke movies. I mentioned Sinister. You mentioned Magnificent Seven. <laughs> I mentioned Karate Kid. You're like oh, I've seen Kung Fu Kid. <laughs> uh. Yeah. So Karate <laughs> Kid, go for it. All right, no response. All right, thought we had a little, a little banter about that, but I guess not. Um, yeah, so Karate Kid. Yeah, it's uh, set in 1984, 85. Uh, very heavily 80s movie. Um, essentially, the story for anyone who doesn't know is the story follows a guy named Daniel Larusso, and he moves with his family or his mom, uh, single mother, to Reseda in uh, L.A. area, Southern California. 
And basic story is he's looking for friends, looking to fit in, doesn't want to move. He, you know, he, all his friends are back home and he's trying to fit in with people and he meets a girl that he finds attracted to. Her name's Allie. And then they're having a beach party and then, you know, feeling some good flirtatious vibes. And then all out of nowhere, you hear these motorcycles roll up and it's these dudes all in leather jackets who look pretty tough and uh, look a lot more manly than Daniel. And uh, they drive down to the beach party. And apparently the main dude is uh, Allie's ex-boyfriend who intervenes and uh, kind of starts trying to talk to Allie. And uh, it's like it's almost like an animal instinct. You feel those pheromones of like competition between Daniel and Johnny. I think, you know, they're both kind of competing for the same girls. There's some bad vibes there. And uh, before, you know, they're getting in a fight basically over Allie and Johnny's totally the one that started it. There's been some debate over the years of, of who actually started it. And some people have asserted that Daniel's the real bully. It's kind of like a YouTube conspiracy. But uh, Johnny's totally the one that started it. If you really, you know, look. Is it like one of those like Han Solo shot first things? Yeah, kind of, you know, in a weird way, it kind of is. Yeah, there's like there was before Cobra Kai came out, there was a YouTube conspiracy where this guy tried to like investigate like kind of dumb, like humorously that like Johnny was the good guy and Daniel was the real bully, you know, so kind of a fan theory. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah i'm curious i feel i feel like if you see it you might kind of see some merit to it too but um yeah anyway so basically long story short the movie is basically about these bullies from day one they don't like daniel because of this so they're just harassing him and making life hell for him and he's trying to like you know just coast along but he keeps he gets beat up a lot they kind of mess with him he's getting a lot of black eyes when he comes home and he's trying to like also fight back but he is way he you just can't hold a fist to them. They're a lot stronger than them. They actually all go to, you know, the Cobra Kai, the dojo that the show was named after. That's where they learn martial arts. And he, uh, one night during Halloween, um, tries, he pulls a prank on him. He, Daniel, uh, or Johnny's in a bathroom stall and, uh, Daniel, Johnny's in a bathroom stall sitting, rolling a joint and, uh, uh, Daniel gets a hose and he puts the hose on top of the stall and then turns it on and runs away. So Johnny gets wet. And so then all the Cobra Kai guys like on Halloween uh, run after him and beat him up. And it looks like he's about to die. He's getting beat up so bad. But then Mr. Miyagi his uh, the person who lives at his apartment complex, who up till now you have no idea is, you know, like karate master who can just fuck anything up. He's just the most peaceful dude yet the most destructive like calm dude comes out of nowhere and then uh saves daniel and defeats all the cobra kai guys and knocks him out basically and from there basically uh mr miyagi starts teaching daniel how to uh, defend himself um and the cobra kai guys eventually there's a big tournament martial arts tournament where daniel has to fight you know all of them and uh long story short you can probably guess you know who wins and with the crane kick in particular so yeah uh, you're familiar with the crane kick, at least, right? The final scene. Yeah, I remember that scene. It's like his leg is broken, and he's like, he can only do like this one last move or something kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's pretty cheesy, but I mean, it's fun. It's like you know, there's like good. I mean, it was like in cheese. the '80s. Come on. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure it was cheesy even back then, but now it's definitely cheesy. But it's like you got to know that going into it. And there's yeah, I don't know. You just you appreciate it for what it is. But the thing that I think the lesson why I think it's like a good movie to see growing up is just showing. It just hits on such a real thing of how to deal with bullies and just how to like if you're in a new area where you just feel uncomfortable with like some people who, you know, don't like you who are maybe tougher than you. You just can like sense that energy like there's some scenes in the movie where Daniel will be walking in a hall and he'll just see like Johnny or the guys in his peripherals far away and they'll just both kind of give each other a look and you can just feel this like wave of like fear come over Daniel where he'll like look down and like try to walk away and try to avoid it. 
and think so i think everyone can relate to it in a sense if you've ever you know dealt with that type of thing or even just trying to see someone you're maybe afraid of and want to avoid and it shows you know how to deal with it in the best ways um just essentially with mr miyagi what he learns is like how to not maliciously go after them and attack them but just straight up how to defend himself so you know finding a mentor that you can teach you how to defend yourself without trying to like you know destroy them you know it's just like if somebody comes after you you defend yourself and attack them and like stop them from being able to attack you one they'll also the one for one they'll know to not attack you as much and two you'll just feel like a stronger more confident person so i think it's an essential thing and um yeah i think everybody could relate to that a little maybe if they see it i don't know what do you think Josh? i i mean without watching it right and just basing it off your synopsis i think that yeah i think it's a good movie to really show at least for like uh kids on the younger side so then they won't really see the whole view the whole crane kick as like a farce if anything but i think it going off of the whole like kind of standing up to your bullies and at the same time like finding that mentor yeah no that's, those are definitely good qualities that people should really adopt and really uh find and like the common joke right now is like i need to find my miyagi or something like that um like i've heard that used in like pop culture several times yeah I've never heard that actually, but I totally relate. You know, everyone could use a mentor that teaches you how to fucking fuck everyone's shit up who crosses you. <laughs> yeah, like I've heard the joke. It's like, you're like my Miyagi or something like that. Like a joke used in that context. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see that. And also, I think why Cobra Kai is so successful is it, it kind of hits on another thing of like, you would think these characters can move on after like high school and everyone should just be like, oh, it was high school. Who cares? <laughs> like they still remember the stuff that happened in high school. Like, and I feel that because sometimes I'll think I'm totally over something that happened in high school and I'll see a person at like a reunion or something. And then instantly it's like one day after senior year with something that I didn't like that happened. You know what I mean? That comes to mind. So um, yeah, no, I think sometimes you think you're really past something, but some that it's like the pivotal time of high school really kind of solidifies some like PTSD memory sometimes that you really think you're past, but then sometimes you just see that person and you're like, all right, not past this at all. It's like, I'm just like, I'm 18 years old again. Did I tell you like my requirement, if I were to ever go back to a high school reunion, what's that? That I roll up in a freaking Ferrari and say, and pretty much just show it off. Well, that's why we're making this podcast, right? Otherwise, John? I will refuse to ever go to any high school reunions. Damn. I don't know if I disliked high school that bad. I really didn't like my senior year. Uh, I kind of felt like everything in different ways went to shit. But um, Look, senior year is the only good year. <laughs> really? Yeah, there you go. We're on the opposite end again. <laughs> but uh, no, I, it's funny because Castro Valley, where I live or where I used, went to high school, they have a bar crawl every year. So it's kind of like we've had a high school reunion almost every year. Like, so I, I don't feel like, and like with Facebook, I feel like there's not a lot of mystery to where a lot of people are. You know what I mean? Wait. Oh, you mean it was like a reunion for the students, right? Not like you guys are 18 and you guys did a bar crawl. Cause I'm like, that's highly fucking illegal. Oh no. no yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Clarify. Okay. Yeah. Went to, there's a bar, sure. Yeah. There's a bar crawl in Castro Valley and Castro Valley is a small town. So basically anytime anyone turns 21, there's a good chance you might be there just because you see a lot of people from high school. So it's kind of like, a three-year reunion, I guess, you know, once you've graduated and can actually legally drink, et cetera. And then a lot of people keep going every year. So yeah, it's kind of like we always had a reunion every year. Okay. So funny thing, I'd go to Castro Valley for like a certain fast foods or for Boba. With that said, there are bars in Castro Valley? 
Okay, exactly. I even go there for like church and coffee. <laughs> no, nobody notices them. They all suck. They're all super small. At least I think they suck in terms of they're just kind of boring. There's really nothing to do. And a lot of them are kind of trashy, like only like trailer park older people go to. <laughs> oh my gosh. So, so it's like a it's it's divier than dive. Yeah. It's just depressingly dive. That's what I'd say. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, all right. So yeah, karate kid. Um, in summation, <laughs> just teaches you how to deal with bullying. All right, Joe, your turn. Here's my response to your martial art related contents. Here's my martial art related. I I believe what would be good to watch is Dragon Ball Z. Just Dragon Ball Z. Not Dragon Ball, which is definitely more on the kiddish end. And not Dragon Ball Super, which is purely adult fan service tugging at the heartstrings of younger of the younger audience back then. Um, so why I say Dragon Ball Z is that for this one, you see where Goku isn't just a a meathead where it's like i need to fight the strongest person um no this one you see goku the main character the protagonist as uh, a character that not only like loves his family but like he was always going to be there and then he also had like it was it was translated differently from japan japanese uh original text and he was saying how like he's the protector of the world stuff like that so something very inspirational um so, like, at the time, Goku was a great, wonderful role model. Also, you have the anti-hero, who now became a very popular hero, uh, Vegeta, which is, like, a redeeming quality, where he was, like, an asshole. He murdered people right off the bat. He destroyed planets for funsies. Uh, he was a very self-serving person. But then towards the end, you see that he was a person that was, like, I'm willing to sacrifice for my family. I'm willing to do anything I can to, ba- to make amends. You see that more so in Super, which is probably one of the better redeeming qualities of that series. But for Z, at least, uh, you did see that progression and that re- that result. Um, and also, you see how like good a decent father Goku was at the time, where um, he has a son who then at the time also succeeds him as being a hero, and he put a lot of trust in him, knowing to put trust in his child. Uh, knowing when to work hard but also take breaks because i remember one episode that was actually very memorable was it's that he focused on making sure that his son was relaxed right before a really big fight to save the world and during that time he it was like a day for him and it was also to celebrate his birthday as well and so which is why i really like dragon ball z is that they touched upon a lot of different themes even the episode fillers, it wasn't just a gag or a quick like slapstick bad combi. And the enemies are also substantial. Um, actually, no, only Frieza was more substantial if you really think about it, compared to Cell and Boo. But so, yeah, so I think they were both I, substantial in different ways, but sorry. I'm trying different. to remember like right immediately. Like Boo was basically just a monster they had to stop. Cell was like, I just need to become perfect and kill Goku. And that's it. Whereas Frieza was like, the stereotypical tyrannical leader, but then there was a lot of character growth in that. Anyways, uh, oh no, yeah, there's also a fair amount of character growth with or like character development, seeing about like um, Vegeta slowly was like, I am the greatest, gets his ass kicked. Turns out that he knows that he has to support his um, his team more so. So there's a scene where it's like, I know that. It's just a really quick scene of like him doing whatever he could to help Gohan win the final fight with Cell. So basically, it was a lot of character development in Z. And for a lot of people, hey, it's fun to watch because you also have the fight scenes, the outlandish uh, 
uh, energy blasts and explosions. So, yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. I think the Vegeta thing, just to touch on, basically everyone, uh, Cell was the main villain in the second like big arc of Dragon Ball Z. And then Gohan was uh, the son of the main character, Goku, and he tried to kill him. Or they were like the guys fighting each other. And then at the last moment, it was this big climactic battle where Gohan was like, they were having this like big energy beam. And then everybody was like joining Gohan to help, but they were still kind of at a standstill. And then Vegeta refused to help because he had so much pride and like wanted to be the guy that did it. And then basically the last moment he gets like one hit, he decides to help and then does one hit. And then that allows Gohan to like do the move that kills self. So that's why it's kind of a, I don't know, it's pretty, I don't know. I'll admit I tear up a little when I see it. It's pretty emotional. Yeah, so it's it's great character development in that sense. Um, and I really appreciate Z at the time because it was well written in the sense of like, you had a guy that's like, yeah, no, I want to fight people that are strong. But I also understand that I need to um, know when I need to step down and put the world first. Yeah. Whereas Super, they basically took all those themes except the Vegeta redeeming quality and just kind of flush it down the toilet. Well, that's another topic. <laughs> but no, no, but I mean, anyway, so Z is something that I do highly recommend in that sense. Yeah, no, I think so. Yeah, I think Z, Dragon Ball Z is like, it's one of those things where it's very common for kids to see it because it was always played on Toonami and kids were always talking about it growing up. I'm not sure if as many kids see Dragon Ball Z now or they watch Kai. Kai is like a another version of it with like a different filter where they kind of edit it and make it a little different and like different voice acting. Or if kids watch Dragon Ball Super now, I don't know. I don't know, but I think kids, maybe like 90s babies like us, <laughs> um, it was very common to watch Dragon Ball Z. And I think it's a lot of things like, you know, have you ever been to a bar or like, you know, met a group of people you didn't know and then you're talking about stuff you did as a kid and then someone match- mentions Dragon Ball Z and it's like, oh, shit, I watched that as a kid. And then you all just like nerd out about that shit. I did that at a wedding about the Lakers. But yeah, no, I get it. I could probably do that as well. Yeah, it's funny. There was one party in high school, or not high school, college, where it was a pretty uh, big party, somebody's birthday. And I remember there was, I was, I've always been like shit with this, like trying to like, I don't know, make a move on a girl or like see if they want to dance or anything. And there was one girl I was like talking to off and on that I was kind of like interested in and like seeing if she was interested too. And then I was like pursuing it. It looked like it was a good place where like, like i don't know something might happen and then <laughs> then i met somebody who like talked about dragon ball z and then the whole rest of the night i just said fuck that other thing we're gonna talk about dragon ball z <laughs> so there you go hey it priorities people. but yeah yeah exactly and i'm not even gonna act like that's the reason i didn't get any <laughs> action that night it's i probably would have never happened but the dragon ball z thing was a good distraction hey being honest to yourself that's fine exactly being humble um yeah, so, uh, yeah, again, I think we interpret it differently. So just moving forward, just so you know, mine are going to be more like adult theme stuff and Jaws are going to be like classic stuff from childhood that's fun to do. So that said, anything else if you want to say count, about it or you want? If you count the book I'm recommending as fun to do, sure. No, uh, that's pretty much it. That sums up my point. All right, cool. So I'll go on my next one. Uh, you have not seen this movie. It's called Don John, correct? Nope. I thought it was a tequila for a second. Yeah, Don Juan tequila. So, or Is that it? No. Don Julio? Don Julio, there we go. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Don John, you know Joseph Gordon-Levitt, correct? Yeah, JGL. Like, yeah. every freaking, like, millennials crush back when 500 Days of Summer was a thing. Yeah, he kind of took a break since then. I feel like he was really hitting his stride. Dark Knight Rises, uh, Premium Rush. Uh, he made he? 50-50, which is a really good movie. Yeah, yeah, it was good. I, You know, I was a little disappointed in that movie, but that's another topic. <laughs> oh, I think we talked about this. Anyways, go ahead. 
Yeah, and uh, yeah, he was in Australia a while ago. Been a little more quiet in recent years. I know. I think, I think that Snowden movie. Maybe that was his last bigger movie where he played. Oh, Edward I Jordan. didn't watch Snowden because I didn't care about the whole concept of Snowden. But yeah. Yeah. No, I feel it. But um, yeah. So he made this movie. I think it was like 2013. Just gonna Wikipedia that. Really? Yep. 2013. And he, uh, Scarlett Johansson is uh, also in it. Do you know Julianne Moore? No. Older actress. Oh, wait, I think my mom knows her because <laughs> I think she's like brought her up before. Julian Moore, right? Yeah. Rita Larson's also in it too. She has a smaller role. She plays his sister, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Can you believe that? <laughs> uh, huh. Not familiar with Julianne Moore. Uh, well, anyways, yeah, she's in kind of more artsy movies that win a lot of Oscars and shit. But anyways, um, yeah, so this movie might seem a little ridiculous. If you watch the trailer, basically uh joseph gordon lovett plays kind of a i think italian stereotyped kind of for lack of a better word douche <laughs> he's uh always wearing kind of like the white tank tops always working out has the really like douchey haircut kind of looks straight out of uh what was that uh God, jersey shore he kind of looks straight out of that almost like maybe not as cartoonish like pretty buff dude he looks and like he's out of them oh i can see it now never mind <laughs> yeah he kind of has a i think it's a like jersey kind of accent um and yeah, so my, it's called Don John because he's a modern day kind of Don Juan. That's kind of the pun on it. And he um, basically in the trailer, long story short, he like lives his life like religiously by like a list of things. Like he sees things as like uh, like almost like a checklist. Like I need to do my gym. I need to spend time with my family. Need to do my church. Need to do my car and need my porn. And porn's like the biggest thing at the end. And he goes clubbing a lot, looking for different girls to like go back and get lucky with, you know, and he's very into his porn and he uh, eventually meets this girl, Scarlett Johansson, who like he has to kind of like work uh, a little bit harder to hook up with and start dating. And um, essentially it's this movie kind of examines how people treat porn versus relationships. And it sounds kind of ridiculous, but I think it actually has a kind of deeper meaning once you look past all the ridiculousness. And it's pretty funny too, because Joseph Gordon-Levitt just acting like a Jersey short douche. Um, and um, basically he just doesn't feel fulfilled. Like he finally is able to date Scarlett Johansson uh, as character, but he like, sometimes he still prefers porn to the sex and he's like, it's just not the same. He's like, he just like wants, sometimes he'll like find himself, like even when she's spending the night, like he'll have to sneak in some porn, you know, because he's like almost addicted to it. And uh, long story short, he meets, <laughs> I say long story short, but it's really not long story short. I can't keep anything brief. He, uh, he meets Julianne Moore's character and she uh, meets, she meets him in a class and she kind of encourages him to stop, uh, using pornography as a vice you should and like stop doing sex as like kind of a one-sided thing you should kind of have it be like a collaborative experience and basically the theme is like saying you shouldn't view life as a checklist of just doing these things you should live your life more organically and just kind of like do what you actually are interested in and want to pursue and with like the romance thing um, if you kind of view it as like a collaborative thing and not so much like I'm doing this to get off for me, like a one-sided thing, then you won't need pornography. You know what I mean? If you kind of view like sex and things like that as like a collaborative thing and like where both people are into it and more organically in the moment. Um, <laughs> I thought of, never mind. Um, <laughs> I thought of a really inappropriate joke, but I'm not going to say it. Um, and yeah, if you do that, then you won't need things like porn and uh, you'll, it'll be a lot more fulfilling. So 
Did that make sense, Joe? Now I know why you preface this as you have more adult themes, whereas I have more non-adult themes. <laughs> yeah, this is where it's going to really take a turn. <laughs> um, Actually, kind of look, is this more of a comedy? Yeah, it's technically a rom-com, but I don't want to call it a rom-com. I'm just going to say a com- <laughs> comedy. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so actually looking it up, I think I remember seeing a trailer for this actually back in the day when it first came out. And I mean, looking at it again, hearing about it, I'm like, okay, yeah, I think I'm interested in watching this. Yeah, if nothing else, I think it's funny. I mean, they play the characters really cartoony. And uh, I, yeah, I don't know. I think it's like, even if you look past the comedy, that you find that kind of deeper meaning to it. So I think that's why it, it's a movie that has more than people might expect, you know? Yeah, no, I'm curious about it. All right, Jaw's gonna watch it. I feel like that's a win. Anytime I can say something and Jaw is instead of meh, just says, All right, I'll watch it. I'll be like, All right, that's one win. All right, you, you got my vote there, sir. <laughs> All right, sweet. All right, my next one I'm gonna talk about Brave New World, the book. I think currently, right now, okay, so it's not going to be, I guess, mine is a little bit more of a contrary than a recommendation, but definitely it's a dystopian society of basic conformity and people are basically mass produced. Um, I think right now we are a little bit different from that in society is that I think we are not exactly exemplifying Brave New World, but I think that it's a good book to read, exactly, especially to um, exemplify certain things right now. What is going on with the world is that there's a few schools of thought. And like, yes, things are not as bad as Brave New World uh, describes in, his, in their books. But I think right now with the current political climate of things, it's really there's only like a couple schools of thought and then if you're not in either one you're the enemy um so for example i'm talking about like just basically political affiliation and it's effectively if, if you're part of one political party then you're the enemy straight up and it's not exactly like brave new world and what they describe um uh, how and they do talk about self-medication and that's the thing is that like i think this is a stark warning of the world where we have really fallen off the tracks where like we ain't really talking about free thinking anymore we ain't really talking about um really self-care anymore it's more like self-medication and in terms of like free thinking it's more like um whoever is screaming the loudest i'll follow mm-hmm. and it's we're not there yet but then i think it's a good book to for people to read especially at a young age i think it was a high school requirement where people really think like a hey, thinking more individually think more for your not for yourself but like think better for yourself yeah do you so, think i never read the book but uh everyone always compares it to 1984 you're at 1984 right i actually haven't wow so that's another perfect example of our parallel we do the opposite thing so i've read 1984 not brave new world you've done the opposite <laughs> Well, no, it's weird because like my my high school teacher, right? So Catcher on the Rye, I didn't read. So we did read some of the, like the required readings, but there's some that we didn't. So 1984 and Catcher on the Rye were ones that were on common required reading list, but not on, I didn't read it. Hmm, weird. Yeah, I don't know. 1984. I'd be curious if you like that book because it's dystopian and I think it has a lot of similar themes. Like it's basically um, essentially saying, essentially the rule is like, God, how do I say this? Um, it's kind of like the government oversees everything you do and they can change facts. And this is why essentially it's saying you need freedom of speech, because if you don't have freedom of speech, people can control what you say and change facts. Like the common thing they say in the book is like two plus two equals five just because they say so, you know, and you have to believe it and you have to thought police. That's where that term comes from. You know, you have to like 
if you say anything kind of rebellious, the people are listening in. I think that's where Big Brother comes from. Like people are listening in and can charge you for it and will attack you and try to make you conform and change. And I just think it's really depressing and dark and just like, uh, I don't know, just not a happy ending. So it's not something I enjoy reading. But that said, does that sound similar to Brave New World for you? Probably, yeah. Yeah. I, I kind of going off what you're saying about 1984. It's kind of true. What's going on right now is that. Uh, so I think it was a Ben Shapiro trying to speak at Berkeley. People were rioting, and it's like, no, we cannot have his speech. And I listened to parts of his speech, and even like the administration who are part of the uh, talk, they're like, I disagree with him, but I think he what he had to say was important, especially yeah. for school that is accepting of things. And that's the thing is that people are conditioned like, oh no, you're a Republican. Therefore, you are the evil empire. Yeah. Um, That's very relevant nowadays because I think obviously we're at a very <laughs> big turning point with uh, what's his face's account getting deactivated. Yeah, and I obviously so, remember that, his name. I just choose not to say it. <laughs> that's the thing is that right now, currently with the political climate of well, free speech is that if you think about it, Berkeley is a institution, it's a public institution, so they on principle they should be allowing his types of talks whereas other forms of media also should allow his types of talks as they are not self-harm or instigating violence so when people are saying hey how dare you shut off trump's account how dare you shut off um apps like parlor which was a very common which became a popular republican social media site well yes they shouldn't have if it's based on uh, of shutting down their speech they should not have however people need to understand that there's a stark difference between uh actually instigating violence from which i'll call it freedom of speech and that's the thing is that like i think people are blurring these lines of like well my leader is speaking louder and i'm following them and it's effectively cookie cutter people and that's what these books are really portraying of like cookie cutter people following literally whoever is on their soapbox speaking louder. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't want to say either way on the Trump thing right now, but that's a complicated thing too. Uh, I'm just happy he's out personally, but the yeah. whole, I think the social media thing is like uh, Twitter is like the biggest platform for people like him to like, you know, spout off and say whatever. And it's just funny or I, Twitter's basic rule is basically as long as you're inciting violence and like break our rules like three or more times, then, you know, you should be banned or prohibited. But yeah, I, I get that it's a very complicated argument, especially like people are very multifaceted and people, you can't really know 100% what they say, what they really believe. They can just tweet certain things, but sometimes it's like you could almost like, if, if somebody gave you a list and just said, don't say these specific words, don't say these specific sentiments, you could still believe all of those things and still just get away with it and like post whatever you want, you know? Um, so I just think it's very complicated, but um, I don't know. The social media freedom of speech thing is a very difficult, tricky topic that I have no intent or confidence in being able to articulate in a like meaningful and thoughtful way. But uh, so you think Brave New World touches on the specific freedom of speech thing as well? I suppose it's specifically on freedom of speech per se directly. But I mean, there is a stark difference of freedom of speech uh, censored by the government versus censored by a private entity. Mm. Okay. There's a stark difference um, with that. So I think people are blurring the lines. But what I'm saying is that it's, it's that's one example of people kind of like being very gung ho about not really like doing their research or like they're 
blatantly following something um, because it's easier. So it's easier to self-medicate than it is to um, address an issue, right? And so with these different types of dystopian societies is that they're, they're, these are people that are being controlled by something else, whereas independent thought is really not a thing. And that's the yeah. thing is that wherever you fall on the spectrum, to a degree, is it really you're just rehashing what they're speaking or you actually do have independent thought? Mm, is that yeah. is what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, right. And so a lot of these things, yes, as a political example, but then there's also like people who do take something maybe as I am a religious person, but there are some people who do take religion and it's fine that you live by it but then again it becomes very it can be very dangerous which then forms cult tendencies so that's just one example right so okay. yeah interesting well you know to tell you the truth i'm actually maybe a little curious in reading brave new world now because that's the thing is that i i, I want to continue prefacing and reiterating the point that like i i'm drawing ideas from it but that's not the point of brave new brave new world it's more to avoid the uh, conformity of society yeah. in general as a whole. I, I just extrapolated the very, very broad themes of it. So just prefacing that. Okay. Yeah, no, I like that message too. Cause I think, I think people, I'm very like cautious of this nowadays and seeing among people, but I think especially nowadays there's a tendency for strong group think, you know what I mean? Where people just spout something just because they see everyone else is spouting it and they don't actually think independently a lot of times. So you know, that said, maybe I'll pick up this book because if it touches on that, then I might be pretty into it. Awesome. Absolutely. All right. I, I think I initially like wasn't into it because I hated 1984 so much and people always compare Brave New World to 1984 that I thought I hate it. But uh, a little curious now. We'll see. I mean, but, I'm a big uh, fan of dystopian societies. <laughs> Just not Hunger Games. You... Fuck Hunger Games. <laughs> what about Maze Runner? <laughs> I forget that's a dystopian society because it's so sci-fi that it's I forget that it's dystopian. Yeah, I hate all those movies. The Hunger Games, Maze Runner, Insurgent, Divergent, Resurgent, whatever. They all suck. I hate them. <laughs> I don't care about that. Like, I don't think that's really dystopian at all. I think that's more sci-fi at that point. Um, Hunger Games like I still consider as dystopian because it's still, it's not sci-fi enough, if that makes sense. That it doesn't distract me. Hmm. Okay. All right. Yeah, I feel like they're all like fantasy dystopian. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like mixed with a kid kind of Harry Potter trying, they're trying to make like a Harry Potter appeal to like dystopian kind of futures, you know? Uh, okay. Yeah. I'm easily distracted. So it's easy to go over me. <laughs> yeah. All right. Cool. Um, also side note, last thing about brave new world. There's a really good iron maiden song called brave new world recommend. <laughs> I remember what you call it. Dang it. What's 30 seconds of Mars did a song. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, did they? Oh, all right. So I'll, I'll listen to 30 seconds tomorrow as you listen to the Iron Maiden song. We'll compare. <laughs> um, all right. So my last topic. Um, Whiplash. You have not seen this movie, correct? I have not. All right. Well, Don John came out 2013. This came out 2014. So apparently this was a really good few years for film. Uh, this is one of my favorite movies straight up. Um, do you know anything about the movie? Nope. Okay. So Miles Teller, you're familiar with that actor? Nope. Uh, do you remember Fan Four Stick, <laughs> the really bad Fantastic Four? Yes, he was uh, the main guy. No, oh, Mr. Fantastic. Yeah. Okay. All right. So he's the main character, and do you know J.K. Simmons? Yes. Uh, he is the jazz teacher. So essentially, 
Uh, Miles Teller is uh, about to go to college and he wants to be a professional jazz drummer. He's really into it, but he's very timid, uh, very kind of sensitive, um, kind of looking for his click, looking to kind of make his identity. And he uh, wants to join the jazz group and he's kind of starting to have these like real strong inclinations. Like I want to be one of the greats. I want to be like Charlie Parker. Charlie Parker is a famous jazz drummer, I think. I think that's his name, Charlie Parker, pretty sure. Um, anyways, yeah, he wants to be, or maybe Buddy Rich, that's another one. Um, yeah, so he wants to be a famous jazz musician and uh, kind of trying to balance like his own social life. Um, he uh, sees J.K. Simmons as like the teaching this advanced jazz class at this college that he goes to. And J.K. Simmons, right off the bat, is a very, very intimidating dude. He seems very intense, very focused, like you can't fuck around in his class, that kind of vibe. And he gets an opportunity to kind of sub in for that class when he meets J.K. Simmons. And um, at first, everything seems to be going great. You know, the teacher's a little intense, um, but, you know, not too intense. It seems like he's into, into it. And there's a key moment in the film, a turning point, where uh, J.K. Simmons allows Miles Teller's, uh, Miles Teller's character to sub in for the drumming, uh, the drummer in the band and start playing. And uh, at first, Miles Teller starts playing, and then um, the whole band is playing too. And then J.K. Simmons stops and he's like, ah, "You know what? You're you're just rushing a little bit. You know, rushing means playing too fast." He's like, "Just slow it down a little, and then we'll be good. No worries, it's all good." And then plays again, and then only a few seconds in, stops him, and he's like, ah, "Now you're actually dragging." And um, then you know, lets him go again, and then he's like, ah, "You're rushing again," and then keeps going on. And every time he does this, it's really uncomfortable because there's like 20 to 30 people in the band and he's making them all stop just because of the drummer. So can you imagine that kind of like how uncomfortable that would feel like like a 30 person band is repeatedly being like paused just because of you? That would Not awkward great. at all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, so he keeps doing that. But he's like nice about it. He's just like, it's all good. No worries. Keep going. And then after like a stupid amount of times that happening, like nine or 10 times of like just play, stop, play, pause, play, pause. Um, he eventually walks around and lets the band keep playing. And then JK Simmons just kind of like strolls a little bit, like walks backwards. And then he picks up a chair and he throws it at Miles Teller, like literally throws it at his head. And he has to like duck to not get hit with it. And then he's like, why do you think I just threw a chair at your head? And then he's like, uh, I don't, I don't know. And he's like, Oh, you don't know. And then he goes up to him and he just screams in his face. And he's like, basically telling him he's a worthless piece of shit. And he exact quote, something along the lines of, if you sabotage my band, I will fuck you like a pig. <laughs> like he says things like that to him. So <laughs> pretty funny, I think. Um, and you just see, essentially he breaks him down. He makes him cry right in the middle of the band. And he's basically saying like, he's like, oh, you don't give a fuck that you're ruining my band. And then he's just like, oh, he's like, so tell me, are you upset? And then he makes him scream. I'm upset while actually crying. And then he's just like, all right, start practicing more, Neiman. And then he uh, then essentially this is a turning point in the movie where you see the main character like really get like have this like intensity and just like ferocity and really try to be better. But you see the frustration that goes along with it. Like he's practicing to the point where his hands are bleeding. He's like really stressed out all the time, but he's determined to like be good for this band and be the best drummer he can be and like make it as the main person. And he gets an opportunity when uh, the, the number one drummer like loses his sheet music and then gets in trouble. And then he, the Miles Teller's character knows the song by heart. So by default, he fills in and he does solid enough that he is now the number one drummer because the other guy, he's kind of, I don't know, he lost J.K. Simmons' trust. 
And it's a real tug and tug of war where JK Simmons is just being intense and being like really harsh and difficult. And Miles Teller's trying his best. And then at one point, uh, essentially at one point in the movie, he uh, is supposed to play this recital, but he forgets something his sticks so he has to like drive back and get them but then driving back he gets in a car accident because he's trying to rush and then he has to play this performance with like bloody hands because he's like that amped up and like focused on being a drummer and he's obviously playing like shit and then jk simmons just stops the recital and then miles teller's character is like so amped up and like so like takes this so seriously and like jk simmons has said so many intense things that really fucked with him miles teller like runs up up to jk simmons and tackles him and starts fighting him like in front of everybody because because he's that on edge because of jk simmons so then some time goes by and uh jake miles teller uh eventually kind of gives up drumming but then realizes he wants to do it again he meets jk simmons a few months later and they kind of like have a casual conversation now that they're not um uh like students or student and teacher relationship and he's like you know i just pushed you because I could see that you were better than you had a real talent. And he's like, don't you think you were maybe a little harsh to people? And he's like, you know, honestly, uh, no, because I'll never apologize for teaching people this way. Cause like this, I bring the best out of people. And he's like, the, he's like, don't you think maybe like you're stopping somebody from becoming great if you teach that intensely? And he's like, no, because if they really wanted to be great, they wouldn't let that get in the way, you know? So I don't know. I think that's pretty cool. And then the ending after that, there's a twist, um, where uh, J.K. Simmons says he has a new band and he wants uh, Miles Teller to play in it, so then he plays. But then J.K. Simmons, uh, at the last moment, uh, tells him that he's going to play one song, but in front of the stage, when they're on stage, he switches the song just to fuck with Miles Teller because he wants to get revenge at him because he's the reason he got fired because of that performance. And uh, so then Miles Teller does like a really shitty drum thing in front of this big performance. And then it's like one of my favorite endings ever. He walks off stage defeated because you know jk simmons just like screwed him over and made him look bad in front of everyone but then he just walks back to the drum kit picks up the sticks and just randomly starts a song on his own like without jk simmons saying it or without the band knowing what he's doing he just like starts a song and then like jk simmons is like what the fuck are you doing and then he's like i'm picking the song and then um then the rest of the band kind of comes in and like this at this point in the movie he's actually playing really great and like doing a really really great jump solo and uh like there's the like a marked change from any drumming you've ever seen him do in the movie and then jk simmons starts off pissed off and like what he's what he's doing because he's like kind of hijacking his performance and then eventually he's playing so good that jk simmons is on his side and like like likes what he's doing and then like in the performance like it's just one of the most big epic drum finales and that's like how the movie ends that was a really long explanation <laughs> for anyone that held on to that thank you but uh what do you think joe would you hate me if I said I kind of zoned out? I do it. I did it during Brave New World. I just didn't want to <laughs> admit it in front of everyone. Okay, well, I'm going to apologize right now that I zoned out. All right. So what did you get? That it was a drum movie? Um, I heard drum movie. I heard attacking a throg with a chair. <laughs> I and heard. So, yeah. Anyways, no, I think it's one of those, it sounded like one of those movies I was very inspirational in the sense of like really challenging a person, right? Yeah, kind of, essentially, long story short, I think the premise, the main thing that I get from this movie is that, like, if you're ever passionate about something, this movie, like, examines, like, how passionate you are about something, like, in 
examining what you need to sacrifice like there's a scene where he breaks up with his girlfriend just because like you're gonna he's like really cold and just like you're gonna distract me i need to focus on this i need to be good at this so i want to be one of the greats and you're not gonna allow me to do that so i think it's a movie about like what's the best way to like be the best you can about something you're passionate about and what do you need to sacrifice to get there and how do you do so and what's the right way that a teacher can teach you you know i was talking about mr miyagi earlier that's one type of mentor jk simmons is the exact opposite type of mentor so yeah basically it's about your passion and like what's the best way to learn and how what do you have to give up you know got it okay makes sense all right <laughs> and uh i guess now your turn so I had a hard time thinking of a third one in the sense of like what is essential for like kids to kind of watch was, was how I perceived this topic, right? And the only thing I could think of is, well, Disney Channel as a whole. And I say that because, well, Disney Channel has like a lot of TV shows that really are nostalgic, at least for millennials, maybe me just being nostalgic in general. Um, I think it's really nice. And so like you had like shows like Kim Possible, you had Lizzie McGuire, you had um, what are some other stuff? sister sister proud family um even stevens stuff like that also the disney original movies and so that's the thing is that like i think some of these movies are really it's all this content is really good for kids at least for people who are like in middle school to try not be a freaking asshole um when growing up and so i think that really helps in that regard um especially the original movies like to this day it feels like these are classics you had I'll be the first to admit it. I enjoyed High School Musical when it first came out. Obviously, now I'm like, that's cheesy little crap. But anyways, you got a lot of that good stuff. I know, like, yeah, a lot of the stars kind of came out kind of crazy. Like, for example, Miley Cyrus kind of had, like, her own episode. Demi Lovato had kind of, like, her own episode. But at the time, I mean, minus the whole, like, controversy behind that, that content was still conducive. So yeah, just hitting a lot of themes, a lot of stuff there. All right. Was that your entire thing? That was pretty much my entire thing. <laughs> it was the opposite, the exact opposite of mine was like a super long in-depth thing of Whiplash. It's like, yeah, I like Disney. It's uh, it's good. I mean, yeah. So like looking back on it, it's, it's a lot of good stuff. I mean, it's like, well, what helped with me with my childhood? Power Rangers <laughs> and Digimon. It's like, yeah. well, how is that conducive to your development? Shit was cool. <laughs> All right, so much depth. <laughs> this is like the most polar opposite. I went so which far. is why I chose the Disney Channel overall because they do tend to have pretty decent content. Ugh. Okay. All right. Okay. I'm heartwarming, you bastard. Uh, that's John. That was a weak answer. I'm sorry, Jesus. <laughs> I'm sorry that I'm a heartwarming person this time uh, around that, when I'm that was normally the most not. Torn- if you gave some depth to it, though, you got to give a little more to it. That was just like, I like Disney. Disney, uh, yeah, they got some good stuff. <laughs> Think about it. You got the nostalgic factor. You got a lot of these different types of themes and contents of where, like, you have somebody who's living a dual personality with Hannah Montana and then eventually embracing themselves. Uh, even you Steven, watch you had Montana? Kind of, uh, I saw a little bit of it growing up. And then for some reason, I stumbled upon, like, the last clip, and I was like, oh, that's kind of cute. I guess like the whole theme about it. And then you have like even Stevens, basically dysfunctional family, stuff like that. Lizzie McGuire. I saw some of that as well as a kid growing up. I never really finished it, but it seemed like it was very, um, 
it's basically people going through high school, going through that um, melodrama like part of their lives. So it's stuff that like people can like kind of turn to, and it's not like trash TV where it goes to CW where it's like blatant sex, and like sleeping with. Whereas like it's like actually yeah no it is drama in that sense, but it's it's wholesome content that people can relate to on a different in a different level as something that is more explicit. Hmm. Okay. Well. So like it's wholesome content that people can watch. Um. Also like Kim Possible where uh Ron Stubble who's basically a freaking dweeb who is like the sidekick to this person who's popular in the school, who's captain of the cheer squad or something like that. And, um, you know, the whole song from Bowling for Soup, nice guys finish last or something. Well, no, he ends up like getting with the hot cheerleader. Like, yeah, they're friends, but then like he escaped the friend zone and ended up like um, going out with the, which I'm calling it, I think confessing his love, whatever. I don't remember. This was like 10 years, 15 years ago. Um, yeah, so like stuff like that, like the underdog. All right. Well, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I really got nothing to say. <laughs> I, I'm speechless. I have nothing to contribute because I think I just this is so. This is like the key one. Like your other two examples where I could kind of like work with. I feel like with what I was thinking, but this one is like I have nothing. I didn't really watch Disney that much as a kid at a certain age, and I'm like, uh, this is very different than the topic I had in mind. But that's all right. It happens sometimes. I thought it was essential for childhood. <laughs> yeah i guess but okay all right well yeah so yeah and that's the thing is that like with a lot of media nowadays it's well for me growing up it's like okay that was kind of cool to watch i was entertained for me a lot of it was i had to have the cartoons i had to have the violence or else i'm not entertained i couldn't get two shits but looking back on it it's like oh yeah no compared to some of the media that is out there like a lot of the media that i see nowadays it's like like tv shows like the harley quinn thing it's I've been watching a Harley Quinn uh, adult cartoon on HBO Max. Shameless plug. Hey, DC and or HBO want to sponsor us. Um, it's it's a lot of it. It's like, okay, it's always that couple. It's always that love. Um, and then like, where does the show go from there? Like the first to like second or third season is always that couple that has angst kind of thing. Harley Quinn was almost so much like that, but that's the trend that I keep seeing in a lot of these like, even some of the superhero TV shows and such. And it's like, okay, well, I'm kind of tired of those themes. Yes, some of these TV shows are about that because it's talking about school, but there's a little bit more to it. It's a little bit more wholesome than that. So, yeah. Okay. Well, if you interpret it that way, I, I could see that answer, I guess. Uh, I can't really contribute much because, I don't know, I, I watched those Disney shows as a kid, but I feel like that's not the nostalgia I really look fondly on. It's just more like, yeah, I did it when I was a kid. Eh, it was nice, I guess, but I was more a Cartoon Network, Nickelodeon kind of person, I think. Oh, yeah, no, me too, absolutely. And But that's the thing is, I like, having that content there, having that available as an option, I think it's, yeah, it doesn't hurt. It's good to have. It's kind of like, for some people, having Fresh Prince uh, in the earlier 90s uh, babies, or like a late 80s or early 90s babies, having, because Fresh Prince actually was pretty wholesome in that sense. Uh as an after-school special, people had uh, what's that TV show called again? Uh, was it was Cory Topanga, Boy Meets World. Yeah, that was Disney. Yeah, like they had their versions of it, and then like Disney Channel in the end. Like, I mean, I, when Disney Plus came out when they didn't have any original content, I was like, oh, cool! I always wanted to watch Boy Meets World as a kid. Now that I'm an adult, I guess I'll watch it and I binge the entire damn series. But yeah, um, it was cute. Um, and looking on it, it's like oh, having that 
being able to relate to that is cool. Hmm. All right. All right, fair enough. Um, cool. I guess that's uh, that's our that's our episode. <laughs> I feel like I just sucked all the life and joy out of you. A little bit, a little bit, Ja. That's all right. I'm used to it every week. <laughs> no. You're welcome. Absolutely. No, no, no. It's uh, next time we'll uh, we'll we'll make sure the topic is more understood. <laughs> it's a, it's a it's a unique topic. It's not like basic. It's not like I don't know favorite horror movies or favorite Christmas movies. It's uh, it's a little more specific. Absolutely. Anyways, you want to close us off? Yes. Goodbye. <laughs> I don't know. Thanks for listening. If you did, uh, it's probably a longer episode. Um, yeah, oh, yeah. Hope you have a nice weekend. Uh, we'll come back with something next two weeks, right? Yes. <laughs> All right. Okay. Bye.